Amen. But take your Bible and find the New Testament book of Acts. As you're turning there, you'll notice over the last several weeks we have been including in our right side of our order of service that bulletin, the word koinonia for fellowship. It's something we've been talking a lot about. And actually this Sunday night will be uh, the uh, first uh, gathering of our small groups. And so I want to take just a few moments, if you're visiting with us, to kind of explain that. Normally at 6 o'clock on Sunday nights, we meet in our sanctuary and have a Sunday night worship service, preaching and teaching um, in our, our main building here but beginning tonight we are going to be focusing more on some uh, discipleship fellowship groups on Sunday night and so uh, if you have signed up for those groups I want to remind you as you come in this morning uh, this afternoon at six this evening we'll enter into the fellowship hall area and as you come into the fellowship hall you'll see a list of all the groups uh, and the group that you'll be assigned to and so what we did a little differently, instead of picking a group that you wanted to go to based on a topic, we're all going over the same material, and you just signed up and trusted the Holy Spirit to place you. Uh, we did that to encourage more of a, a fellowship, getting to know one another. We naturally pick groups based on people that we know and go to Sunday school and that type of thing. So once you see where your group is, that will be your group uh, for all of the weeks, and uh, each group has a couple of facilitators assigned to it. And the facilitators in the group will rotate facilitating the group. But your group will be your group uh, for the 13 weeks that we meet. Uh, something to be aware of, though, is we go through these 13 weeks or the weeks leading up to the 13 weeks. We have services that we will be taking place of in the, in the sanctuary. So December the 2nd is our hanging of the green service. Well, we will not have small groups that night. We'll be meeting and having our hanging of the green service. Uh, the night, uh, the last Sunday in this month is our business meeting. So we'll all gather in here for our business meeting and we'll go through the study as a big group. Uh, so it's, it's not the same thing every week, but I think once you get here tonight and see the schedule, it, it makes perfectly good sense. And so if you have signed up for that, as you get here tonight, uh, just come in through the Fellowship Hall area, and myself and Matt and Joy and Jessica and Sharon and I are kind of, as staff, are kind of facilitating and, and floating around, making sure everybody gets to where they need to be. And all the information you need will be there. You can pick up your book tonight. Tonight is an introductory session. We'll be talking about the things that we're going to be doing, getting to know one another. And then the following Sunday night will be the night that we discuss Chapter 1. All right. Well, I apologize for taking all that time, but I thought it was helpful. And if you have any questions about the small groups starting tonight, please come see me um, or Matt, and uh, we'll be glad to answer those questions for you. Acts chapter 4. We're walking through the book of Acts for these next several weeks, and we're talking about life together. You'll see from the, the slide on my left and right, I've got a, a, a website, just pastorjohnbeck.com. All that website is is my sermon notes. And so as we go through the message today, I want to encourage you to have a smartphone, open your Bible, lay that off to the side. It enables me to talk faster if I know you have the information. And someone said they didn't know if they wanted to have, be distracted by that. And I said, well, then I could talk slower and we'll be here longer. And they said, no, I, we like that. Uh, it enables me to talk a little faster. But we've really been talking about life together. Uh, Jessica just saying from a theological standpoint that because Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sin and we repent of our sin and place our faith in one, from a big theological standpoint, we are one with the Father. And there's a oneness because of what Christ has done. But one of the great understandings of that from a theological standpoint, not only are we one with God the Father through the Son, that we're one with the Lord, but literally we are one with one another. And that we are the body of Christ and we are one together and we do life together. I'm afraid over the years, and, and I always, you know, we always talk about what we can relate to in our lifetime. The 80s was when I was getting into ministry. The late 80s and early 90s when I was getting into ministry. I'm 52. And so the 80s was kind of the birth of the church growth movement, movement in America that we see today. And I think what began to happen in the, in the late 70s and 80s, and it probably came forth from the 60s, y'all that were running crazy in the 60s, y'all probably started all of this free thinking movement stuff we have now, all the hippies of the 60s. But what began to happen is we began to focus on church growth and we moved into the consumer mentality. 
I call it, and I, I picked up this from a, a church growth book, uh, the Burger King mentality. Have it your way day. And so church began to be, this is what I need. You know, I've had people tell me, more music, less preaching. I've had some people say, all preaching. I've had some people say, no offering, no pews, no this. And so what people do is they shop around until they find out what they need. I think back to the, I use this example always, when we needed gas in Barnesville, Georgia, we went to Milam's Guff Station. Remember those days? And you'd pull up there, and Mr. Milam would come out and check your oil. Now, young people are going, what? They would come out, check your oil, your windshield wipers. He would give me a Coke and a bottle. It was a, you, didn't, you didn't get on the Internet and check the cheapest gas prices. You didn't ride around and see who had the cheapest gas. You just went to Milam's Guff Station. Church used to be that way. We go to church because this is our family. We go to church because this is who we are. We go to church because of Jesus, but we go to church and we do these things because of us. It's not that way anymore. And then we began to see that in the 80s and 90s that church began to more of a, an attractional ministry where you draw people in and you're, you're trying to do whatever we need to do to make them want to come. And church began to be about what's in it for me instead of what's in it for him, what's in it for one another. And so the next several weeks, I don't have all the answers, but I know the one that does. What a great example. Then he opened up the book of Acts and say, okay, whatever they did, it seemed to work. If you're a born-again believer of Jesus Christ, it's a result of the church of Acts. So whatever they did, they did a pretty good job of it. So why don't we just realize what was good enough for them should be good enough for us and learning how to be the church in a world that needs the church to be the church so desperately. Turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 4. We're just calling this mini-series Life Together. Last couple of weeks before, we looked at the faithfulness of the church, and we can continue on from this standpoint. Life Together, the faithfulness of the church. So learn, if you will, Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. Acts 4, 23. When they were released... Let me tell what's going on here. Uh, John and Peter have been arrested for preaching the gospel and persecuted. You could say tried and beaten and, and discouraged, but they were preaching the gospel full of the Holy Spirit. Thousands have been saved, and they're preaching, and they're preaching, and they're preaching, and society is against them, and so they've been arrested, and they've been warned to never preach again, never talk about Christ like this again, and so the world was totally against them. Verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends. And they reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they, meaning the, the friends, by the way, the friends is the church. They went to the body of Christ. They went to their friends. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God. And they said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of David, our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, and they were quoting from Psalm chapter 2, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. So just as King David acknowledged many years earlier that these attacks about uh, upon the nation of Israel were literally an attack upon the Lord. And the early church realized that this attack against them and the church was just really attack against the Lord. Verse 27, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place and so immediately they even acknowledge that just days and months earlier after Jesus Christ had been crucified and beaten and dead and rose again they realized that they did that but they also know it was part of God's plan and you can see from the very beginning the early church didn't focus here the early church focused there they didn't focus to the things of the day. They focused theologically and who they were in Christ. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servant to continue to speak the word with all boldness. 
And while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the number of those who believed and were of one heart and soul and no one said any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your truth this morning. What an encouraging picture of the church, your people gathered together as the body of Christ, assembling together, acknowledging who you are, asking for your filling and living a life they respond by faith. Lord, help us to be that church today. Let us not just read it and believe it, but let us read it and hear it, believe it and trust in it this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. This week with modern technology, you're able to do a little bit more than you used to years ago, but I was listening to a, a podcast by the North American Mission Board, kind of a, a Tom Rainer slash North American Mission Board podcast on church revitalization and replanting. It's a ministry to where uh, a church has gotten to a point of, of, of decline and plateau and the church is realizing that they've gotten off kilter on their part and, and the Lord's just not blessing and working like they needed to be and so it's an intentional effort to where you plant a new church. It's kind of an intentional effort to where you go in and you try to replant and re, revitalize a current church and over and over and over uh, they were talking about what a noble work, but what a, what a hard work, what a, a, a God-called work, but yet how difficult it can be to live and do life in our culture. And as I was listening to that and I was reading in the, in the book of Acts, and I'm thinking, here's the early church. They knew Jesus. They just filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're in jail, and they're being persecuted, and their faith is being questioned. And I'm thinking, you know what, that is us today. It is hard being a Christian today. Persecution is going to come to the church today. And if we don't do this together, think about that. If, we're not, if we don't understand that we're in this together, what impact are we going to make in our city for eternity? Many of you know that I, I love athletics and I've helped coach over the years. And you think about that silly analogy. Could you imagine having one football player out on the field? Or you can imagine saying, okay, I was, I was a, a defensive end in, in high school. I used to be 320, 4'3 speed. No, I'm just kidding. But could you imagine that defensive tackle leaning over to me and saying, okay, if they run towards you, you got them. But if they don't run toward me, I'm not here to help you. You're on your own. We'd be just running buck sweeps toward the defensive end all game long and scoring touchdowns. But I think that is us and our culture as churches today. We come to church. We sit in our spot. We go to our class. We talk to our people. We, we get up after the message and we go home and we live life. We do our job. We try to keep our family. We, we try to keep our head above water just to get the things done that we need to get done. And we realize, hey, it's Sunday again. Let's go to church. We come to the church. We sit in our spot. We go to our small group. We're looking at the clock the whole time. I know Brother John's a little long-winded. The, the service is over. We walk out the door, and we just do it over and over and over. Is that, a, is that not true? That's our life. And we forget that we are part of something so much different. If you're a born-again believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are part of his church. All of this is temporary. I mean, there's going to be a day and an age to where I don't have to go to a pastor's meeting ever again. 
I won't have to put together a sermon. I won't go to a meeting. You won't be working anymore. You won't be worried about all these things. There's going to be a day and age that everything that consumed us will mean nothing. And what we're going to enjoy for the rest of eternity is who we are in Christ as the people of Christ. That convicts me deeply because I get very distracted very easy on this stuff instead of that stuff. But notice what the church of Acts did. Number one, they assembled as the body of Christ. Notice there in verse 23. And when they were released, they went to their friends. They realized that there are two things going on here. One, that this is the body of Christ and that Jesus Christ is the head. And because of that, they love the church because this is Christ's church. But as they gathered together, they knew that this was Christ's church, but they also realized that there was a people of the church were there. And so when we think about assembling, we assemble to worship the Lord, but we assemble far more than that. We assemble because Jesus Christ is the head of the church, but we assemble because he is the head of the church. We assemble with the people of the church. We're not just coming to church because Jesus is here. We're coming to church because we're here. And immediately they went to their friends. And so as we think about the church here and we think about this, this early church, and, and I used the word that I used last week in Acts chapter 2, they had this love and the devotion, a love and a devotion for the church of Jesus Christ. And the reason why they had such a profound love for the church of Jesus Christ is one, they realized the church is the people of Jesus Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? I think about being part of a family. It is amazing. We, uh, we were talking in our men's group Saturday uh, morning about the tongue. That was convicting. That was one of those I wanted to call in sick and let someone else teach about the tongue because we're all just, all of us, that's a tough lesson on what comes out of our mouth. And I gave the example of Katie when, when uh, my, my daughter-in-law, when she first got married and they first had George Ann. This is a true story. It's kind of funny. Uh, when, when, you're, when you're a new mother, life revolves around that baby, does it not? George Ann. I mean, she is perfect. So Katie went to visit my mother and my two sisters, and they were all around. Well, she had forgotten. She knew me. She knew my personality, you know, she didn't realize that my mother and two sisters are clones of me. I'm clones of them. And so she got in the car and she told Brantley, she said, well, I cannot believe they wouldn't even look at George Ann. They were too busy talking. And Brantley goes, well, that's just kind of what we do. We enjoy kind of being around and talking and this, that, and the other. And so Katie was like going, <sighs> and Katie says something like this. I'm learning how different families are now my brother doesn't talk like that but I do so when we all get into a room me and my two sisters and mother it's a talkathon. it's exhausting and my brother can sit over there and read a book and he's perfectly content we still think maybe he was mixed up in the cradle some years ago but you know Katie told Brantley it's okay because my family's different yes it is okay that we're different we don't all have to be the same but we do all have to want to be part of the family. Every day I think about my spiritual life and I think about just the, the handful of, of deacons that we have. And a lot of people don't know what goes on behind the scenes. And, and uh, we do have a, a pastor appreciation day. We need to have some others day. There's many times throughout the week a handful of deacons will call me and go, hey, I'm praying for you today. Hey, are you doing okay today? What can I do to serve you today? What can I do? You know, and I, and I sit and I think, Lord, thank you for putting people together that are just different and that we realize that we are in this together. Now, I want you to take a few minutes and look around. Just look to your left, look to your right. Look around. We're not going to do anything weird and say five things you didn't know about the one next to you. 
That is your brother and sister in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord has created us different and special. Some of you are a little bit more special than others. But we are unique and we are special and we are the people of the body of Christ. Peter and John said, I'm going to my friends. But I think also what you can pull from this is you see this. The reason why they understood this and the reason why they could assemble as the body of Christ, they understood the purpose of the body of Christ. It is worship of Him. It is not about us. Nothing, nothing that we do to me when we think about coming together as a church, it is my worship to Him and then my investment into others. I tell people all the time, our life is about Him and them. Them that do know Him and I can encourage them in their faith and them that do not know Him so that I can share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They assembled as the body of Christ because of the people of the church and the purpose of the church. We don't gather today to check our box. You know, I've got a Google calendar and we've got check the day off and this, I got everything done on my day today. We gather today to worship the Lord and to sing songs of the faith and the fellowship. I think our giving, to me, I'm kind of weird about that. I may change my mind one day and if you online give, I'm definitely not knocking it. Uh, I like to put my money in the offering plate because it's a, an act of worship to me. And of course, the preacher's supposed to say that, right? My fellowship with you is an act of worship. My giving of my tithes and offering is an act of worship. My belonging to a small group is an act of worship. My serving in the church is an act of worship. My fellowshipping as a church is an act of worship. My opening up the word of God and following the preaching of the word is an act of worship. My doing everything I can do to encourage others in the faith is an act of worship. And the first thing the disciples did when they needed something, they went to the church. They assembled as the body of Christ. If you are looking online, there's some scripture there, and I'm not going to read that. That's kind of a teaser I threw out there. I, I included some scripture that is so very important for us to understand that. I won't read it all, but Ephesians 1, verses 15 and 23. Listen to, to verse 15 of Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen. Look, uh, Paul is saying to the church of Ephesus, I have heard of your love for the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints. Paul would say you can't have one and not the other. If we love the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to love the family. I tell people all the time, listen, the Christian life is this simple. Love the Lord Jesus Christ, love God, and love the things that he loves. People tell me all the time, well, I don't have time for church. Listen, don't it? Love God, love the things that God loves. God loves the church. God loves serving the church. God's going to come for the, so it's very simple. If I love the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to love the church. I'm going to love the saints. I'm going to love the things that the Lord Jesus Christ loves. Verse 22 of Ephesians 1, And he put all things together under his feet, and he gave him his head over all things to church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way into him who is the head. They assembled together as the church and they were growing up into him as the head. They were growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. As I grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to begin to more love the things that he loves. I have found that out in my own life. The more I love the things of the Lord, the more my life changes toward the things that he loves more. And so they, they were growing in the things ahead. Notice verse 16, from whom, Ephesians 4, verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds himself up in love. What does that sound like? The body knitted and joined together. And the gospel is what knits and joins us together. Isn't that incredible? There are great churches all over. We can just use Avon Park. Let's just use Highlands County as an example. There are great churches all over Highlands County. There are some I don't think are so great. There are some that are great. That's, I've got my opinion. I said, well, what makes a great church? They, they stand on the Word of God. It's really that simple. You just love scripture and you're going to stand on the word of God and that, that's, that's, our, that's what we're judged by, okay? Churches like personalities, they, they can be very different but yet have the same purpose and goal. But churches are knitted together and joined together. So here, here's what I did. Who did I do. I'm trying to remember who I was talking to earlier this week. They came to me, this is kind of weird from a preacher. Somebody came to me and says, they're, they're looking for a church. And I want to you to Pastor Beck. He's down at First Baptist Church. And they said, well, where's your church located? We're right behind the jacaranda. Can't miss it. Love to have you. If you're looking for a church, we would love to have you. And I always say this, but what my greatest desire is, is to be in the church the Lord wants you to be in. Because the Lord puts people in the churches he needs them to be in. How do you know that? The Bible says so. And we are knitted and we are joined together. So when someone comes to me and they said, well, I've lived in Highlands County all my life and I've been, I've been at every one of them churches. Do you think I'm excited about that person joining ours? Because they are seeking where they need to be. I want them to understand they're where God wants them to be. Now that may mean being in different churches over seasons of time, but I do. I trust that. I don't beg somebody to join our church. I don't try to. I just look at people. Hey, you come worship with us and you pray about it. Because if God wants you in there, nine out of ten times, when you enter that door and you sit down, before I even open my mouth, God's put on your heart where you need to be. Is that not the truth? You walk in the door and it's like ha ha. Why? Because that's God does that. He's pretty good at that. God is not playing hide and seek from us. When it comes to a relationship with him and his church, he's going to put you exactly where you need to be. That frees me up. And then we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you're familiar with that passage of scripture, this teaching of the, of the spiritual gifts. There's a variety of gifts. They're given for the common good, empowered by the spirit. There are many members, yet one body. They're arranged by God. All are significant. God has appointed, 1 Corinthians 12, a great passage on the spiritual gifts. God placing us based on what we do and what we don't do, and he's putting his church together. And the early church realized that. I've got to go to the church. They assembled as the body of Christ. Secondly, verses 24 and 28 they acknowledged God for who he was. Now what they might do in life together, making a difference, being faithful, they acknowledged who God was. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together and said, Sovereign Lord, that word sovereign, is acknowledging that God is God and God has a plan and God knows what he's doing. And they, they assembled together and said, Sovereign Lord, I'm reminded of the words of David in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 10. He is praying the blessing for the building of the temple. Listen to these words, 1 Chronicles 29, 10 and following. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You 
you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. In your hand are power. In your hand is might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now we thank you, our God, and we praise your glorious name. How about that for a prayer? We praise you, O oh God. You are bigger than us. This is outside of us. And they assembled and they acknowledged immediately, you are God. They knew that he was above all. Verses 27, for in this city they gathered together against your holy servant, whom you appointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate. Now here's an interesting fact here. Before the Holy Spirit came upon them, they could not discern the things of God. Listen closely. Before the Holy Spirit came upon them, they could not discern the things of God. Couldn't figure out what was going on. Why did Jesus die? Why is the tomb empty? Why is he standing there? How did he get through that door? How did he know we were fishing? What's going on here? Before the Spirit of God landed on them, they could not discern the things of God. But the second that the Holy Spirit got them right, they were born again, notice what happened. The light came on. They could see God's hand, discern God's will, understand what God needed or, or was what pleased the Father. And immediately they said, okay, just a few weeks ago, we didn't even understand what Jesus was talking about. Now that we're full of the Holy Ghost, we know that Pontius Pilate and Herod that crucified Christ and those false religious leaders, they are puppets in the hand of a sovereign God. And they immediately realize and they think back to the days of Moses and Adam and Eve that Jesus was the fulfillment of the old covenant law. So think about that. An unregenerate person cannot discern the things of God. And we get so fired up trying to figure out why they don't get it. They don't get it because they don't got it. That's original. <laughs> We've made reference to the appointment of, of the Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. And, you, you know, somebody said, are you watching that? I said, I'm not watching it. They go, Can't believe you're not watching it. You know why I didn't watch it? I get so mad. It's obvious I have not been appointed to be part of that organization because I would have been going spider monkey with a baseball bat in there probably. <laughs> Y'all people have lost your mind. The world is the same way. We're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to people and they're looking at us like we got horns growing out of our head. You know why? They have never been born again and they're not going to get it until God touches them. I've pastored for almost 25 years. I've been preaching for 25 years, pastoring for almost 22. Every church I've ever been at, I know there was unregenerate church members. Pastor, how do you know that? Because they didn't get the things of God. Amen? If you are born again, you get the things of God. You, you enjoy Scripture. You understand Scripture. You get it. But if you're not born again, it's like preaching to a brick wall. That's what I tell pastors now. Now that I'm in my 50s, I'm one of the old guys. Don't do anything. If you don't do anything else, preach the Word because that's the only thing that's going to change your heart. Don't worry about puppets, light shows, and tambourine girls. Preach the Word. As they came together, they acknowledged him. He is above all. They knew. They knew what was going on. They knew Pontius Pilate. They knew what had happened to Christ. They knew it had to happen. Did they want it to happen? No, but they knew it had to happen. Look at verse 38, 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan has predestined to take place. This is all what that means. People get all excited about election, predestination, foreknowledge. Ah, run for the hills. Let me tell you what that means to me. I can trust God. Could you imagine what would happen if I was in charge of redemptive history? 
I mean, think about it. If you got up and you had your quiet time and, I'm old, and you're praying to me with my Google Map app, well, what are we going to do today? Well, let's see. Well, we got this Kavanaugh thing going on. I might focus on that a little bit today. No, that'd be embarrassing and crazy in a, in a really messed up universe. But you know who we can trust? The author and perfecter of all of history. You know how we would pray, and I'll just say this. Do you know what we would do if we would have been the early church? Just anybody. anybody. We, I could just blindly pick two people, including myself. If we got arrested and we were told to never speak the gospel again, the first thing we would do is put on Facebook something and ask people to share and ask people to do this and ask people to do that. Oh, my goodness, the, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Hurry up. The pastor's been arrested. The sky is falling. You know what the early church did? You are God. And we trust you. See, we wouldn't have said that. We would have said, crank up the prayer chain, crank up the prayer thing. We, we want people to pray. They did pray, but they weren't praying this. Lord, we trust you. John and Matt just been arrested for preaching on the street corner again. We trust you. And we know you got a plan. And we know that to do whatever your hand has predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and to grant your servants to continue to speak your word. They assembled, they acknowledged, and they asked. Lord, you are God. You've got a plan. And I ask you to empower me that I can continue on. That's praying. We pray, we pray, get us out. They prayed, keep us going. That's a big difference. Lord, get me out of this mess right now. Woo, I've learned my lesson. And we try to spiritualize it. I've learned my lesson. Woo, okay, I've been strengthened to the trial. Make it go away. They prayed, keep me going. Lord, if being in jail, preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is what I need to be doing, keep me going. Look at verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon your threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, signs, wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. Notice what they asked for. They asked to be empowered. Notice why. They understood, verse 29, they're servants. If, if a servant follows and, and, and is concerned about their master and that servant is following, this is what the early church said. I am a servant to you. If that means I get arrested every week for preaching the gospel, I'm your servant. As they were asking the Lord to empower them, they realized who they were. We're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somewhere along the boys' high school endeavors, they got prom kings or something. And so they literally had little crowns they got to put on. And I, I, I have these. I'm in the phase of life now where your kids move off, but you keep all the stuff, I'm there. And so every time I look at those crowns, I think about our life spiritually. Jesus Christ should be the Lord of our life, and the crown of our life should be on the head of Jesus Christ, and we serve him. But you know what we do? We take that little crown, and we think, okay, I'm a believer, but right now I'm focused on me and my job and my education and my future. And so I'm going to put my little crown Jesus up on the shelf over there and then when it comes to be Sunday, I'm going to take little Jesus off of that crown and I'm going to do that. Or when I really need something, I love it when people, I'm letting you in, I'm, I'm being very transparent, don't think bad of me. I like when I get a text or a phone call from somebody I hadn't seen in eight months and they want me to pray for them. Oh, I got it. When all that fails, call out to Jesus. That's a country song, isn't it? The point of that is, love Jesus every day, 
and call out upon him. But don't wait till you've exhausted all your resources. I've tried everything and now I'm falling flat on my back. Lord, everybody, pastor, pray for me. I said, brother, I've been praying for you for months because I've seen your life. I'm not praying that God gets you out of this situation. I'm praying God changes your heart. He's Lord of our life every day. He's never leaving us or forsaken us. Allow the Lordship of Jesus Christ to reign in you every day. That's what the early church did. They continued. Now notice what they asked for. To continue to speak His Word. When's the last time we've prayed that prayer? Lord, I'm, I need something. Lord, I, I need a prayer. Lord, I need something. I, I, got, I, I pray that all the time. I need a lot of stuff. Lord, I'm your servant. Empower me to continue to speak your word. That's a prayer. Lord, empower me to continue in where you place me and where I am at to preach your word. And notice what happened. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered was shaken. And I always like verse 31. Some of you that know me well, you understand I love to stir the pot. It's not necessarily a spiritual gift, but I love to get people thinking. I've seen Baptist preachers skip this verse. Well, we don't get into all that. <laughs> well, we don't believe in all that, all that Pentecostal stuff, so we're just going to slide over that. You know why we don't preach on that? Because it's been so long since we've seen it. Amen? Church to a lot of churches is like going to a viewing at a funeral home. Don't get excited. We don't expect any experience to take place. It's just go as the flow. Well, pastor, how do you interpret that? The place went Holy Spirit crazy is how I interpret that. Now, I'm not talking about running around, unbiblical, hooping and hollering. I, somebody sent a video, and I, I lost it. I was going to tag it and send it to somebody. It literally had a preacher standing on top of the pulpit dancing. I said, well, one, I need help getting up there. <laughs> but I can, one, it might have been one of y'all. One of y'all tagged somebody. I mean, literally, the, the preacher was standing up there. We're not talking about chaos. This is going to be a sad statement, but you'll understand it when I say it. Have you ever been in a worship service where you can just feel the presence of God all over the place? Some of y'all might be saying, I haven't been there. Shame on us. In the midst of living your life, you just know that God is all over the place and the, and the place was shaken with his presence and his power and his blessing. And I think a lot of it had to do with the people of God being together and being there with right expectations and right heart and great excitement. And they just began to pray and the place was shaken. And notice what happened. And, they were, and, the, and when they had prayed, the place was gathered together, was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God. God with boldness they assembled as the people of Christ they acknowledged him they asked him to empower him and then last they acted upon their faith verses 31 and 33 they prayed they continued the number who believed were one heart and one soul and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the erection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and grace was upon them all. I think there's a, four things that we can look at real quickly here. They were people of faith, people of obedience, people of confidence, and people of dependence. Notice that. They were filled as we yield to the control of the Holy Spirit, we are, we are filled with the presence. And it's kind of like I tell people, the Spirit of God is there. It's like we don't even know it's there. 
You ever notice when you're, you're living the Christian life faithfully and obediently and, you know, it's, it's like I tell people when you, we have revival meetings and we meet consecutively day after day and hour after hour, you know, and we're under the word and we're singing. It's just like, man, that's, you, just, you, just, you know God is doing something in your heart and you're just revigorated and your walk with Christ is different than it was and you're excited about that. You know all that's taking place is you've yielded to the spirit. You've recognized the spirit in your life. That's faith. Calling on the name of the Lord to show you something in his word that day. And we pray prayers of faith. We live lives of faith. Every second of every day is a life of faith. And we see God all over everything. And the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Ghost. They were people of faith. And notice what happened. They continued. Several times throughout the, the scripture, they're continued. They continued. They continued. The Christian life is not a day of the week or an event or a ministry. The Christian life is alive. We continue second by second, day by day, week by week, month by month. We continue in the faith. We continue in the faith. We don't put God up on a shelf as Lord Jesus on a shelf. We live him every single day and they continued in the faith. If they were arrested, they continued in the faith. Think about Paul's life and all the things that happened to him, but he continued in the faith. When we live in faith and we continue in the faith and we're obedience to the faith, here's it, almost a progression. I'm continuing in that faith and therefore I have this continuing. I have this confidence and obedience. Then third, it does lead to, I got ahead of myself, confidence. If we have little faith and we have little steadfastness, and we don't continue on, and we have little obedience, we have no confidence. Notice the confidence they had. Everything that happened to the early church, it is yours, O Lord. It is you who reigns. We are your servants. That's confidence. Because they continued in the faith, they were obedient. As a pastor, over, it's so simple. People come to me all the time. They come to you all the time. If you make yourself known as a Christian, people come to you all the time. Pastor, what can I do? I've got this issue. And I always immediately say, well, I got my issues too. But I said, I bet we can figure something out. Place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sin and turn to Christ. Obey the word. And trust the word. We spend more time in the culture today trying to figure out why it's not what it says, what it says. I mean, it's like ridiculous, like drinking. Well, now, I tell people all the time about drinking. You have to know my background. I got a family full of alcoholics. Alcoholism is rampant in my family. So do you think the Becks think drinking's okay? Okay, we don't. I'm not saying that. The Bible says what? Don't be a drunkard, right? Don't get all... I'm not thinking to preach on preaching, but this is what happens. In my little world, I'll give you another example. Drinking may not be a good example. How about sex before marriage? That got everybody's attention. How about sex out of wedlock? All right, everybody, we all right? Sex out of wedlock. Now, preacher, that was a long time ago. And nowhere does it not say, we'll spend hours trying to prove that it's okay instead of just reading the word and saying it's not okay. Let me rephrase you. Sex out of marriage is not okay whether you're 10, 16, or 90. That was a weird conversation. The first time I had that conversation with a 90-year-old. Well, I get more Social Security. What? But that's what we do. Well, 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 what? We're not going to have the confidence to live a Christian life if we're not going to obey what God's already told us to do. 
If we trust the word and we follow the word and we obey the word, that's where our confidence comes from because we know, okay, if I obey the word and what scripture said, God is going to bless it because I am born again. He's going to bless that and there's going to be a tremendous blessing because God is faithful. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. And as we experience obeying the truth, we understand that he is faithful. And that's where we have our confidence. I think to my little grandmother before she passed away and went to be the Lord Jesus. She did. She grew up in Georgia, didn't really have anything. She was a, a brilliant young woman, but she just didn't have anything. She had more confidence in the provision of the Lord Jesus Christ than any multimillionaire ever could have. Because she would tell you, he has been faithful my entire life. And I know he's been faithful because I've trusted him in that faith. So think about this church. They had faith. They had obedience. They shared with boldness. They had this confidence. And notice, and we'll close with this. They had one heart. They had one soul. Again, it's Jessica saying there, we are one because of Jesus. We are one with God, and we are one with one another. Dependence. Every I have looked at, I love the book of Acts. I've preached to the book of Acts in its entirety two or three times. I love the book of Acts. Everywhere you see the church being the church, they are dependent on the body of Christ. They are dependent on the Lord. They live a life of faith and obedience, which leads to confidence. And the more confidence they have, the more dependent they are on one another. And the more dependent they are on the things of the Lord. And guess what happened? Revival broke out. And the church expanded from a small little group at Pentecost to the ends of the earth. And here we sit wondering how we're going to make a difference in Avon Park. We're going to do life together. As we do life with him, we're going to do life with one another. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If we get serious about it, and we get real about it and we acknowledge who he is in our life and we ask him to do something in our midst and only he can get the credit for, we're going to see family members come to know Christ. We're going to see unchurched friends start coming to church. We're going to see people in the community that never thought would come to church are going to start coming to church. Why? Because that's what God wants to do through his people. But if we don't acknowledge ourselves as the church, he'll do it through a church. There's churches all over the land that are gathering, singing hymns, taking up an offering, and somebody saying something in the pulpit, but it's not the church. They didn't have it easy, but good gracious, they made a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you for the picture of the early church. What a powerful testimony and reminder of all that we have in Christ. What a reminder that we have this morning, Lord, that you are the rock and the redeemer and everything we need is found in you. Lord, I thank you for First Baptist Church. I thank you for our, our history. I thank you for our now. Lord, I anticipate a, a wonderful future. And Lord, I pray that we all could understand who we are and celebrating that, but also not being satisfied where we are, even though that may be a good place. But we trust you even more challenge you to do remarkable things in our midst and this we pray in Jesus name